what episodes of Whiskey Noobs you just have to listen to, tequila drinkers trying bourbon for the first time, and is bourbon still bourbon if it is finished in a used barrel? The age-old question that I've been getting tore up for on social media lately. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you're listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. And before we get to these awesome questions that you have sent in for this month, we do have a mystery whiskey tasting, which I will be doing here in just a moment. But before we get to that, I wanted to start off by addressing a review that the show got lately. I've never done this before. I've never addressed a review. This is also the first uh, noticeably bad review, I guess I would say. And I wanted to respond to it because I feel like it's important to address bad feedback. You can learn most thing you learn more from bad feedback than you learn from good feedback. That's not to say go give me bad reviews. Please give me good <laughs> reviews. But I got a review. That said, um, there's a lot of inaccuracies in the show, and the show's addressed to noobs, and so the fact that it has inaccuracies is really bad uh, because it, you know, you're basically misleading new people, people who are new to the hobby. <clears throat> so, I want to start by saying. I fully apologize for any inaccuracies in the podcast, and usually I I try to catch anytime I say something wrong. I try to catch it and address it in a later episode. Uh, I have had before listeners actually email me and say, "Hey, I disagree with you here based on this," and I will respond sometimes and say it in the show. Hey, I noticed this. I had somebody tell me um, that I mentioned bourbon has to be aged in white oak, and it does not. That was just like. I was just saying the wrong thing. I was saying white oak without thinking about it, but bourbon just has to be aged in new oak barrels, charred new oak containers, actually, not even barrels. So I was saying charred white oak containers, and it's actually just any form of new oak. Uh, So somebody called me on that previously, and I tried to correct it because I do find it very important to be sure that I am giving you guys good information. So I apologize if there have been inaccuracies. I am always I always welcome people to let me know if they see me saying something incorrect. If it's something you just disagree with, like the question we're about to get to with finished bourbon versus normal bourbon, um, there's a it's a hot debate online, and I'm going to quote unquote get out the receipts when I go to answer that question, if you will, because I have a way that I think about it, and um, I. I believe that I am correct based on things that I see online. But uh, if you find inaccuracies, I'm very sorry. And so I just want to say that I am trying my best to provide the most quality content that I can. In the beginning of the podcast, I never, and to this day, I don't claim to be this whiskey guru who knows anything about whiskey. I've always claimed to be the guy who will learn as much as he can about it for you if you have a specific question. And I have learned an insane amount of information about whiskey since starting the podcast. If you've listened since day one, you know that that is what I said in the first episode. I said, I'm still learning. And I think because I'm still learning, I could be very helpful to the people who are brand, brand new. That has always and will always be my stance. I don't think anybody could ever be a full on whiskey guru. There's far too much to learn and too much opinion playing into the facts and they kind of blend together. So, that's my response to that bad review. I'm very sorry for the person who posted. I, I doubt you're listening anymore because it seemed slightly hostile, but I'm very sorry, and um, I am continuing to try to make the content the best that I can. So thank you for giving me your honest feedback. I learn You learn more from bad feedback than you learn from good feedback. And for those of you who like the show, please don't hesitate to leave a review. And for those of you who have 
issues with the show, please don't hesitate to tell me. Um, and even if it's not in a review, I mean, obviously, I would prefer to have good reviews, but I won't stop you from giving me a bad review. But if you have something specific that you want to let me know about, feel free to email me, whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com. You can ask anybody who's emailed me. I try to respond to all of my emails. Sometimes it's hard to, but if it's anything as serious as, hey, you said the wrong thing, or hey, I have a, a serious problem with the podcast, I will respond to your emails. I promise you. I'm always working on getting better. We're always working on improving. Now that that's settled, let's get on to our mystery whiskey review, which I'm now going to be limiting only to Q&A episodes for the sake of just drinking less. Um, I'm trying to limit my drinking, and I've been doing a pretty good job of it, knock on wood, but um, I don't want to, I don't want to do this every single episode because a lot of times I have to drink for videos, and if I pile on with drinking every single episode, it's just more drinking than I want to be doing. So, we're limiting these to Q&A episodes. I'm going to give you a very quick review of a mystery whiskey, and you can guess at home what it is. This is a whiskey that has been on the last 10 review episodes of the show. This is one of those 10, um, which basically usually adds up to within the last 20 total episodes of the show. Usually, review episodes are about every other episode. So let's do that. I'm going to give you some very quick notes, and we're going to get started with our questions. Right off the bat, this has a nice warm oakiness, a little bit of a creaminess to it, some light fruit, and just a little bit of what I would call spice as well. So let's get to our questions. If you are new to the Q&A episodes, you can submit a question every single week on my Instagram. I post a question sticker to my story on Wednesday, and you can submit a question through there, and I pick select questions to be on the show unless you are a patron because patrons jump straight to the front of the line. So the only time that Instagram questions get answered is if every single patron question is answered. So patrons jump to the front of the line, but anybody can submit a question absolutely free on Instagram through my story on Wednesdays. So let's get to the questions. First question we have is, what podcasts do you recommend going back and listening to for a true whiskey noob? I love this question because I'm actually working on the next few episodes are really going to focus on getting back to the beginning of the podcast and recapping some of that stuff. That way, if people start at about episode 100, they uh, they can start where I have the better mics and I like to think the better hosting abilities. So I want to actually recap this for those who have started around the episode 100 mark. So let's talk about it. And I'm actually truly just going to scroll through and and read off to you ones that I think are worth revisiting. Or visiting if you haven't visited them yet. So, episodes one through, basically episodes one through ten, where I'm laying all the groundwork, those I'm going to mostly redo. I'm going to recap in a hopefully more concise and clear way over the course of the next few episodes. So, I like to think those you can you don't have to listen to. You can go back and listen to any episode that you want. But from after those episodes, I'm going to only be picking very specific episodes that I think are maybe a little bit extra fun or a little bit extra important to listen to. I think episode 19 is a little bit of fun. Does eating affect your palate for whiskey? I that was an episode where I actually did a tasting, then I went and ate lunch or dinner, and then I came back and did a a tasting of the same exact whiskey to see how it affected things. That one was a little bit of fun. 
episode number 27 we might be revisiting here soon but it is why add water to whiskey so trying to the for the first time on the podcast seeing the difference between having just whiskey versus having whiskey with a droplet of water in it episode number 29 was a lot of fun food pairings with bullet bourbon we ate chicken wings alongside uh (laughs) drinking bullet bourbon so uh, that was a lot of fun that's more of just like a, a fun one less so on the education side but i thought it was it was a good time Episode number 34 is one that I find myself recommending people a lot, which is how to pick whiskey as a gift. And I also talk about other gifts you can give to whiskey lovers in your life. I find myself um, referring people to that one pretty often, so I could see uh, people wanting to go back and listen to that if you did not listen to it. Episode number 37, what is dry January? I think that is a very good episode to listen to. I talk a lot about why I did Dry January that specific year. Might be doing it again next year. We'll see. Um, but it, it's very helpful for those who maybe don't don't understand the approach that I take to how much alcohol I consume. If you haven't understood that yet, I talk about it in uh, episode 100 as well. But what is Dry January? I really break it down. I think that's a beneficial episode. And then I also, in Dry January, did episode number 38, What Gives Whiskey Its Flavor? That one is another really good one that I just talk about. The different things, it's kind of like a good overview for somebody who's not 100% sure about what does give whiskey its flavor. Once again, that's one that I might be revisiting as well, but um, you can listen to it, and I think it's very helpful and informative. Episode number 43, I think, is a good one. For those who are new to the show, if you haven't heard me talk about my whiskey journey and what brought me to where I am, I think that one is a very beneficial one for you to listen to. Um, I talk about basically from from not liking whiskey at all to how I got to where I am now, which uh, is good background if you're not sure about who it is that you're listening to. Episode number 63, if you're new, if you're like a, a whiskey noob like this person asked in the question, it is a little bit of background on how to start a whiskey collection, the kind of tips and tricks that I came up with from starting my own and things that I know that I did wrong, things that I know that I did right. Episode 65 is a really fun one. Is the neck pour of whiskey real? That was a blind tasting that I did of an, a brand new bottle, an old bottle, and then what I considered a young bottle, like a, a bottle right in what people would consider to be its prime. And that was a lot of fun. If you like old fashions, episode number 73, the best old fashioned featuring bourbon of the week. That was a really good episode because that is still one of my favorite old fashioned recipes. I will also include some of the distillers I've had on here in case you want to hear from a specific distillery. So episode number 77 has Chris Fredrickson from Traverse City Whiskey Company. If you've heard of Traverse City Whiskey Company and you've wanted to hear from them, you probably will want to listen to that episode. That was really informative and a lot of fun. And then in episode 81, I had Daryl McNally from Limavati Irish Whiskey, who we had once again rather recently, but that was a lot about Limavati if you want to listen to that episode and learn about a pretty quickly up-and-coming Irish whiskey brand. I'm trying to skip them. You know, every episode just feels like my favorite. Every episode, I'm like, oh, that was so much fun, but it's a, it's a hard thing to pick ones you specifically think people need to listen to. Uh, If you're new, then I think episode number 85 is a good one. Are whiskey notes real or bogus? It's a little bit more into that kind of objective versus subjective idea. 
Episode number 89 can be very helpful. I talk about the labeling of a bottle of bourbon and the different terms you're going to see on it, which I think is incredibly helpful, especially for the newer folks who don't know quite as much about uh, how to read a, a bourbon label. And then episode number 93 is a good one because we try, to this day, my favorite whiskey palate cleanser. Uh, we go through a few different palate cleansers, me and my guest Justin, and uh, that was a lot of fun, and we also learned kind of a lot. If you want to know about the bourbon trail, episode number 94 is an important one because it was a little bit of a recap of my trip down to Kentucky. But there will be more trips down to Kentucky, hopefully. So uh, no need to fear there. For another distiller, episode number 99, I had Jeff Duckhorn and Lauren Patz from Redwood Empire, if you'd like to hear a bit more uh, from that distillery. And then episode number 100 and beyond, I would say, um, is where I would start if I was starting today. Aside from those episodes that I just mentioned, um, I would start at episode 100 and move down the line from there. Like I said, I'm going to be doing some kind of recapping, regrouping, and um, trying to basically reteach things that I've already taught, but in a better way, which even for those who've been listening since day one, I think it'll be really good to shake the rust off. Because I know for me, it'll be good to shake the rust off and, and relearn some of that stuff. So we will be going through that here soon, which I'm very excited about. But that is my very long answer to the question, which episodes do I think you should go back and listen to, assuming you started at episode 100. Moving down the line here, we've got, as a tequila drinker, what should I start with for bourbon? Question mark. Redwood Empire? Question mark. So, I would say that when I did my, my tequila and mezcal tasting with the Agave Social Club, the theme that I recognized was... This sour fruit, herbal note, along with, I think I mentioned in the episode, it was almost like a, like the smell of new plastic. And in, not in like a terrible way either. But what that reminded me of, you mentioned Redwood Empire. Ironically enough, it reminds me of Redwood Empire's Emerald Giant. That is what it reminded me the most of. Uh, but in general, Emerald Giant is a rye. Uh, in general... I think rye might be a little bit more welcoming than bourbons. But if you want to specifically get into bourbon, I shouldn't say more welcoming because typically they're less welcoming. But if you specifically like tequila, I think it's closer to tequila than bourbon is, unless you're only ever drinking extra añejo, in which case maybe that bourbon oakiness is going to be good for you. But when it comes to bourbon... Honestly, I think anything. I think just try to get your feet wet because it's going to be pretty different from tequila. So I would I would recommend you try some rye and then maybe move into like high rye bourbons. Um, maybe if you if if bourbon's a little bit too spicy, a little bit too strong for you. I mean, tequila has a kick too, but if bourbon's a little bit too strong for you, maybe try some finished bourbons first. So bourbons that are finished in like port wine barrels or some other type of barrel. Um, and those types of bourbons are going to have more sweetness to them. I know that tequila does have a kick to it, but it's also a lot of times weaker than bourbon. So then I guess the last thing I would say is you might want to start in the 80 proof range or whatever proof you're used to drinking uh, your tequila as because bourbons, a lot of times barrel proof, cask strength, all the different ways of saying really strong whiskey is, is common in bourbon culture. So I'd probably recommend those few things. Uh, you know, start with rye, preferably, in my opinion. I think those are the most relatable to tequila from that five tequila tasting that I did. You know, that's 
a limited view, but those are the most similar to tequila for me. Start with a rye. Uh, if you go to bourbons, maybe high rye bourbons, and just be ready for it to taste super different uh, and stick down into the uh, lower proof range or whatever proof range you're used to. Maybe finished bourbons, although those are going to be pretty different from tequila as well. So they'll be different, but I think that they're the most welcoming for people who are new to bourbon. Moving on to the next question, does the color of bourbon necessarily dictate quality? And they also asked higher proof, etc. I This is an important question because it's almost, I don't want to say a myth. It is, if you want to tell a lie, if you wanted to tell a lie, you would want that lie to run very close to the truth. And people have often said, that you know, darker bourbon or better looking color, darker color is better bourbon. And I'm not saying they're purposefully lying. I think it is one of those things that just emerges from culture. But I do think it runs so close to the truth that it becomes everybody believes it. Everybody wants to say, oh, you know, the darker the bourbon, the better it is. Everybody wants to say that. <clears throat> and I don't think that's the truth. It's, it's not the truth. Objectively speaking, it's not the truth because you could have a very dark bourbon that is gross and was not has a terrible mash bill, was aged terribly, and just ended up bad. That can absolutely happen. Uh, it could have just been a bad batch. It could have been a bad barrel if it's a single barrel. You can just get bad whiskeys regardless of what they look like. In general, though, so bourbon you cannot add coloring to and still label it as a bourbon. You're not allowed to do it. So, in general, if a bourbon is darker, that would indicate more barrel interaction and more, in general, large generalities, a lot of times it'll indicate more of a flavor and more of like a barrel presence in it. Because either it was not aged super long, but it interacted with the barrel a lot, like large temperature swings, soaking that whiskey into the barrel. And then when it cools down, pushing that whiskey back out into the whiskey and then gets hot again, goes back into the barrel, those sort of barrel interactions, or it means it's just older because it's darker. So it spent more time in a barrel. And a lot of times, once again, not a rule, but a lot of times older whiskeys can tend to taste better. After a certain point, I think bourbons start to taste worse on average. But um, a lot of times, you know, in general, older stuff tastes, people like to say it tastes better. It also sometimes tastes worse, but it is more expensive because it took longer to make and they make it more expensive than people think that means it's better, but it's not. That's a tangent though. Um, the other thing that it might indicate is that the bourbon is not cut very much. So maybe it's not cut at all with water. What I mean by uncut, you're seeing uncut be on labels a lot more often lately. Same thing as cask strength, same thing as barrel proof. They're not putting any water into it when they go to bottle it, which means it comes out of the barrel, gets filtered or whatever, and goes into the bottle. They're not mixing in water in order to water it down, which unless it has one of those designations, your whiskey is being cut with some amount of water. And that makes it a little bit lighter. So if it's darker, then that might mean that it's not cut with as much water. Uh, but you can figure that out a lot quicker by seeing if it says barrel proof, cask strength, uh, barrel strength, uncut, any of those words. Um, so that could also be an indication. So the reason this becomes such a popular myth is in a very general sense, if you if I reviewed a hundred bourbons or a thousand bourbons and ranked them all, and then I did a correlation between the ranking and the color of it, 
is it likely that the darker ones would have it have a correlation that darker tends to equal better? Yes, there'd probably be a correlation, but no, I don't think it'd be a strong correlation because I think there are so many outliers. Like I think it's one of those it's not even a most of the time type of statement. It's just a some of the time, just enough of a time to have a correlation type statement. So I think I've had very clear, very light whiskeys be amazing. And I've had very dark whiskeys be not so amazing. So it really, truly just depends. But I did want to give you all the details so you understand why that gets said so often, why so many people will say that. It's because you can't add coloring to it without there being any coloring to sort of lie to you. You, you're seeing right away how dark the whiskey truly is. There's no coloring to make it look darker or anything. And so you can kind of get those ideas. That's my long-winded way of saying, no, it doesn't dictate quality. Maybe it dictates higher proof, but it might also just dictate age. Uh, so go with your palate rather than, or go with reviews that you find online if you've never tried it before, uh, rather than just the color of the whiskey. Next question, was it a TikTok video or a podcast episode that you knew you had reached that, and that is in caps, moment? Which one? I love this question, first of all. Thank you. I don't know if you're just trying to stroke my ego, but I appreciate it. <laughs> but I don't know that I've even reached that moment yet. Um, I think that moment comes, I have an idea in my mind of what that moment would be, Um and I think it's, it's going to be a combination of a lot of things. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, podcast, Patreon will be a big one. Um, partnerships or not even necessarily like paid partnerships, but I mean like the people that I am working with. Um, those sorts of things will all culminate to quote unquote that moment. And I'm assuming by that moment you mean the moment that I, I feel like I made it or I feel like <clears> – <throat> I feel like I have reached whatever you would consider to be success. I'm assuming that's what you mean. Um, but I don't know if I'll ever feel like I reached that moment. I don't know if anybody ever does. It's more of like a you keep saying you're going to get to this next thing and then the, the goalposts move. But I do have an idea for what I would consider to be that moment. I have some pretty specific goals that I'm trying to reach that I can't tell anybody about yet. But um, you'll hear about them when and if they happen, uh, because they are goals that involve bringing you guys more stuff that I want to, more content, more things that I want to create for you. Working on it. We'll see. But um, I guess to, to answer your question, when did I know I had reached that moment? The closest I've had to a, a that moment so far has been I had like two or three Instagram reels just absolutely take off. Let's start at the beginning, actually. I'll never forget this. Way back when the podcast probably had a hundred, less than a hundred, probably 50 weekly listeners. We're talking very beginning. Uh, and I started up the TikTok to try to get a little bit of free advertisement out of TikTok. I had one video suddenly start blowing up. I will never forget it. We were sitting at the dinner table, my wife and I, we were sitting at the dinner table in our apartment that we no longer live at. And I was, I think, I think she saw it first. She logged in, saw my TikTok and said, oh my gosh, your TikTok has. And the funny thing is it was probably like 150 or 200 likes or something like that. But if you've ever tried to make it on TikTok, then you know that 
the first few videos, however many videos it is, you're getting, you know, five likes, you're getting six likes. And then I suddenly had it just do pretty well for the time. I think I got up to like 5,000 views. And that was, that was one moment where it was like, oh my gosh, this is working. Um, that was a very long time ago. And then probably a year, year and a half ish later, I had a few Instagram reels do really, really well, like way better than that TikTok video did. Instagram suddenly exploded. I remember uh, going out w- again with my wife uh, and saying, I wonder if this video is going to get me past 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like this might be the one. Uh, and then it continued to grow past 10,000 to the point where I was like, this feels like I made it. Um, so I did have that feeling. And then I just kept, that made me, that really lit a fire under me to make the best videos I could. And that got me up to where we are now, just a little bit over 100,000 followers. We did pass 100,000 followers, so thank you so much to everybody who follows on Instagram. Um, But yeah, I I still don't, I think every time that you're like, if I think of, I think if I get to this level of followers, then I'm going to be making X amount of money or I'm going to be able to do this or that. It's never the case. It's more so you got to, you got to work for it every step of the way. But thank you for asking that. Um, And I will say, I I don't want to sound like, I don't want to sound greedy in any way. Like, oh, I'll never make it. I still need more. That's not what I mean at all. I mean that, um, I always end up coming up with new ideas for things that I want to do, um, new ideas for stuff that I could bring you guys, uh, things that different, like, like there's merchandise, of course, that I'd like to make and, um, more types of videos that I'd like to do. I'm like, Oh, this would be a good type of video. Oh, maybe I should get into YouTube videos. So there's always something that I, I want to be able to do. And, uh, I have learned very quickly that just gaining followers does not get you to a certain point in terms of uh, social presence, in terms of income, in terms of any of those things. So I uh, I don't mean to sound greedy. Quite the opposite, actually. I, I hope this comes across as humble. I don't know if it does or not. But I truly, truly am not trying to uh, come across as thinking I, I just need more so much as... Uh, Every time I round a corner, I see more things. There's more people reaching out to me who I want to help. There's more things that I think I can do within the space, which is awesome. So thank you for asking that question. Uh, That's a really long way of answering that question. Next question. So I grouped the next three questions together. Um, The first one, estimated time for your barrel pick to be public. I missed the live stream. The next question, are you sharing your bourbon, which I assume they meant my barrel pick? And then the last question, if, when, and how can I purchase one of your barrel picks? Uh, So all relating to the barrel pick. The barrel pick is on the way. I don't have specific timing yet. Um, There has been a little bit of a delay in in some of the timing, and um, there were a couple things that slowed us down at the beginning that were past now, uh, but I'm hoping it will not be too long before we have the barrel pick. I think originally we were talking about early June, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if that's still the case, so I don't, I'm not promising anything. But what I will say is, <clears throat> yes, the barrel pick will be available to everybody. Um, it will be available to patrons first. That's my patrons, and that's Bourbon of the Week, Chris from Bourbon of the Week, his patrons as well. So right now the only way to be guaranteed one of the picks is to be a patron. Um, I believe between my patron count and his patron count, you would be guaranteed a bottle at that point. 
And then uh, beyond that, I, I can't guarantee you a bottle, but I promise you everybody will be aware when it comes out because I will be telling everybody. That way, if it is available to the general public, everybody has a chance to get their hands on it. So I would just say keep following, especially on Instagram. That's the easiest one to communicate through. Uh, follow on TikTok as well. I'm sure I'll come out with some stuff on TikTok when the barrel pick comes out. Um, but just follow along Follow along on there. Uh Instagram is at whiskey underscore noobs. TikTok is at whiskey noobs podcast. And you will be informed when it comes time to buy the barrel pick. But thank you for asking. The next question, what is the best level to keep a bottle around if you want to open it but not finish it? The best level is the highest level you can keep it at. I know that sucks to be an answer, but if I have something pretty rare or pretty expensive that I don't want to go through very quickly, I will literally take a couple glasses out of it, get an idea of what it tastes like. And I'll leave it for a long time because I, it, if it gets below half, your timeline really increases um, below three quarters. It's like three quarters to a half. You're probably safe for quite a long time, but I, you're never too safe. There's nothing worse than cracking open a bottle of whiskey and tasting it. And sometimes it's your palate condition, but sometimes you can just tell it's like, ah, oh, this tastes different. This tastes worse than it used to. If it gets very low, like I've, the only time I've really had that is when it's very, very low. And it's like, I don't know, four or five glasses left in the bottom of it. And it's like, and it sits for, you know, a month or two, maybe more than that, three or four months. Then you taste it and you're like, this is noticeably not as good as it used to be. That happens sometimes as well. So my roundabout half answer is to keep it the level as high as you can. The longer you want to keep the bottle, the higher you should try to keep the level. And the last long form question before our lightning round. Is bourbon still considered bourbon, even if it's finished in a different cask? No, it is not. It's not bourbon if it's finished in a used barrel afterward. It is bourbon finished in a used barrel, but it's not bourbon. What do I mean by that? Remember how I mentioned earlier that bourbon can't have coloring in it. If you put coloring in a bourbon, you could call it bourbon with coloring in it because that's what it is. It's bourbon with coloring in it, which means that sentence, bourbon with coloring in it, describes a thing that is not bourbon. You can't just call it bourbon. Same way with being aged in a barrel. And if you don't believe me, you can look this up online. You can look up, I forget the website, but look up uh, how to find out like the designation of a whiskey, the class type of a whiskey. And you can look and you can type in four roses and it'll say class type 101 bourbon whiskey. And if you type in Angel's Envy, it'll be class, I believe it's 641 if I'm not mistaken. I believe Angel's Envy is class 641, which is whiskey specialty. And Legion is class 691, which is also, it's a different whiskey specialty class. So they are definitively, I mean, they're legally speaking, they're not classified as bourbons. That is why you will always see on a label, if it's finished in something, it will always say bourbon finished in blank, blank, blank. You can have scotches and Irishes that I've, I've had that don't tell you on the bottle. You can look it up and find out, but it just says Irish whiskey. That's all it says because legally it's still just Irish whiskey. Legally speaking, you cannot put on a, on an angel's envy label. You cannot just put bourbon because it's not. So I know this sounds like a soapbox. Why do I think it's so important? Because this is what's more important is why I think it's important. Because I have people come to me all the time 
saying, I loved Angel's Envy. I loved Legion. I loved something. Insert finished bourbon here. And I hate this bourbon that somebody recommended to me because of it. I hate this other bourbon that I thought I was going to like because I liked it. And they're comparing a finished bourbon to a normal bourbon. And I'm see, I see people, I mean, like I interact with these people who waste their money on plain bourbon and don't like the taste of plain bourbon because they were told they did by somebody who called a finished bourbon a bourbon. They were told this is a bourbon and it's not. It's a finished bourbon. And it's very important to make that distinction, specifically for those people, also just because it is what is true. So bourbon finished in different cask is not just bourbon. It is bourbon that has been finished in different cask, i.e. whiskey specialty is another way of saying that. That is my take on the law. I understand the argument that, oh, well, Angel's Envy meets every single check mark on the bourbon box. It is aged in new oak, but then it's aged in used oak. I understand where people are coming from with that, but until that is addressed at a legal level and I see a finished bourbon be listed as a class type 101 bourbon whiskey until that happens. I believe that finished bourbon is not the same as just bourbon because for centuries, probably centuries now, right? Yeah. For centuries, bourbon has meant one very specific type of thing, one very specific process and changing that process means it's not what it has always been been meant to be it's not what people have always understood bourbon to be hopefully it doesn't sound too mean and i truly i don't care like i don't have a horse in this race about people calling it bourbon the reason that i care is because i see how much confusion it creates with people like i i see the people who are basically like why don't I like this bourbon? Well, you actually don't like bourbons just in general. You like bourbons that are finished in wine barrels. And it's like, well, why didn't you just tell me that to begin with? Exactly. Why didn't you just tell me that to begin with? That is why I find it so important. It's for those people who I see constantly getting confused. I quite literally had this comment last night. I had a comment on my post, completely different post, completely unrelated to finished whiskey finished bourbon. But it said, I loved Angel's Envy and I hated Buffalo Trace. What do you recommend for me next? And immediately I'm like, this is somebody who was told Angel's Envy is just bourbon. And so I told them you should probably try finished bourbons. If it, it's as simple as just saying finished in front of it, it hurts nobody to say finished bourbon, but it confuses people to just say bourbon. That's the truth. That is the way that I see it. And I could be convinced otherwise, especially if a precedent is set in a court of law. But for now, that is my take on finished bourbons. And if you disagree with me, I still love you. Thank you for being my listener. God bless you. And I don't have a problem with you. Uh, I just want people to understand where I am coming from with that argument. Let's move on to our lightning round after a very, very quick revisit to this mystery whiskey. This episode is brought to you by the Whiskey Noobs Patreon page and all of the awesome folks who support it. Head over to Patreon now and sign up for exclusive behind-the-scenes content, voting power in polls that determine the course of the show, and typed-out reviews and even more. You can find the Patreon page through the link in my bio on either TikTok or Instagram and click the button that says More Content on Patreon. Check it out now if you want more Whiskey Noobs in your life. What is fabulous about this whiskey is you get a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of fruitiness and spiciness, And you also get other flavors. 
that are they rounded out more. Um, one that I'll say that might give it away, but this is all I'm going to say, is nuttiness. It has a little bit of like a nuttiness to it. That's all I'm going to say for right now. Let's get to the lightning round. First question, what are things you did to help identify the flavors that you're experiencing? So my first few episodes are on this, but I'm actually going to be, like I said, revamping those first few episodes and going through that over the course of the next few episodes of Whiskey Noobs. So stay in touch for that. Uh, keep, keep an eye out for those episodes coming up. Very quick answer is flavor notes lists really help in comparing whiskeys really helps. Comparing whiskeys blind is even more helpful. Moving on to the next question. What's the most you've spent on whiskey, both a pour and a bottle? For a pour, I think it was the $40 pour of uh, Van Winkle tenure. I think it was old Rip Van Winkle, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and bottle, I genuinely don't know. I Not as much as you're going to think. Like I haven't gone crazy on a bottle. I, I say my most expensive bottles are probably in the low 100s. Next question. How much would you spend? Oh, yeah, this is like the second half of this person's question. How much would you spend on a glass slash bottle given the opportunity? That, that is a difficult question to answer. Um, a, a glass, it would have to be a very special occasion. <sighs> maybe, maybe I would spend like a hundred or a touch more if it was something that I just knew I was never going to find a bottle of. How much would I spend on a bottle? Usually not much more than MSRP. Um, I I would see myself in general, this is just my knee-jerk reaction, a few hundred dollars on a bottle that's worth a few hundred dollars. Uh, I'm definitely not to the point financially where I could afford to spend anything with a comma in it. So um, that's just not where I am with this, with this hobby. I don't know if I ever will be because to me... Usually those are that's not an MSRP price. Usually that is secondary pricing. I, I can't bring myself to feed the secondary market. Or if it's not secondary pricing, it's inflated retail because of the secondary market. The next question, what is my opinion on Knob Creek 9-year? I really like Knob Creek. You might have noticed I don't even have a bottle of it on my shelf. I think I want to get a bottle soon. I like Knob Creek. I really enjoyed it. I haven't had it for quite a while, so I'd like to revisit it again here soon. The next question, or actually a statement rather, you should do a cocktail podcast with your wife. That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. I don't know if you mean an episode or like a whole podcast, but uh, that would be a lot of fun. I would really enjoy that. But here's the thing. I signed up for this. I signed up to put myself in front of a camera, behind a microphone, and on all the social medias. My wife did not sign up for it, so I would never force her into that situation. If she wanted to, I would happily do it. I think that would be a lot of fun. But um, I this is uh, this is not something that I would ever force anybody to do um, because it is a weird thing to get comfortable doing. If you've listened to my first few episodes, you certainly can tell that it's a weird thing to get comfortable doing. So that's the reason that we are uh, redoing a few of those first episodes, or at least the concepts behind them. But yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Next question, Redwood Empire Barrel Pick slash Distillery Tour, when? Great question. I think you're just saying this, I'm guessing, because I really love Pipe Dream and I talk about it all the time. Uh, but I don't know. The Distillery Tour, probably not soon, unless they want to pay to fly me out there because it is extremely far. I live in Ohio. They're in California. Uh, barrel pick, I, I don't, I would be lying if I said I had anything planned or had discussed it with them or anything like that. Uh, but I would happily consider it. I, I really enjoy Redwood Empire. 
The next question, what makes a finish dry versus oily? Uh, this is one of those where I'm going based on experience here. I didn't do any research for this question, but in general, um, the, the mash bill can have an effect on it. The aging can have an effect on it. And the amount of like tannin in it can give it the tannic flavor that people associate with dryness. That, that's an interaction with the barrel. So that tannic flavor is like a bitterness, and sometimes it gets associated with that dryness. Sometimes a bourbon with really spicy flavors to it, or not even bourbon, but just whiskey, with really spicy flavors to it, that gets associated with the dryness as well. And it can be really hard, but sometimes you can do it. You can decipher that sometimes it has that spicy taste that would almost make you think it's dry because like of the way your brain, or at least my brain, is interpreting it, but it's actually not. And it can have that spicy taste and still be oily, and it's hard to sit down and separate out. Is it actually dry? Is it actually spicy? Is it tannic? What is causing that? Uh, and then, of course, the proof is going to have a play on this. Uh, when I say something is smooth, you know, something that's 120 proof, might be really smooth for that proof point and be way, way hotter than something that is 80 proof and I would consider harsh for that proof point. So I might say, oh, this 80 proof is harsh for its proof and this 120 proof is smooth for its proof. But actually the 120 dries out my tongue more. That's because proof plays a really large impact on that. It's going to evaporate faster off of your tongue at higher proofs. It's going to make you feel a different sensation in your mouth. So all of those things play a factor in it. And, and once again, that is based heavily on my experience. So next question, is Benchmark Bonded a good starter? I just got it and tried it for the first time. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would consider it for a starter just because it's 100 proof. And I usually like to start people out 90 or below, especially if they're having trouble with the burn. If you like 100 proof, then absolutely Benchmark Bonded is a good bottle for the price, I would say. Have I tried Chattanooga whiskey? If so, thoughts? Yes, I have. I've had their 91 and their 111. I don't have specific notes for you right now, but I do remember thinking that both of them had a lot of flavor and were really enjoyable because you got a lot of flavor for the amount of burn that you got from them. Is it okay to drink bourbon with an ice cube or two? It's okay to drink bourbon any way that you darn well please. I don't prefer ice. I only really do ice if it's hot outside. It's like Basically, the only time you'll see me drink a straight whiskey on ice, but uh, I, there's nothing wrong with it. Drink whiskey however you like to drink it, and yes, with ice cubes, you can still get some of the flavors. If not all the flavors, it's a matter of preference most of the time. The next question, have I ever experimented with making my own blends? Uh, yeah, I actually really enjoy doing that, and I have some ideas with how I might incorporate that into the content here soon, so just keep an eye out for that. That's all that I'm going to say about that. But what they mean by that is blending different whiskeys together to see how they taste, and yes, I do enjoy doing that on occasion. What is my rarest bottle and how did I get it? My rarest bottle is probably, and I don't know for sure, because once again, I don't look at the secondary market often. It's probably well or foolproof, and I got it by freezing my butt off in the morning, waiting in line outside of a liquor store along with everybody else. So I, I don't have any cheat codes, unfortunately. The next question, what's my thought on the barrel infinite bottle? It is a cool idea. Well, the person said it's a cool idea. What are my thoughts on it? Well, for those of you who don't know, first of all, the Infinite Bottle, actually Infinite Barrel Project, is a, a project that Barrelcraft Spirits is doing where they have basically an infinity barrel or like a really large infinity barrel, and they blend together 
all kinds of different blends and they put them all in there and they just, it's, they treat it like an infinity bottle. And what do I think about it? I think that it's an idea that I had and I thought was original until I found out Barrel Craft Spirits was already doing it. But I thought, man, it'd be really cool if somebody did that. And then come to find out they did it. I haven't had any of it, but I think that is a super cool, super fun idea. I love people just doing fun stuff in the whiskey space. So kudos to them for coming up with something just fun. Even if I thought I came up with it before them, they came up with it before I did either way. <laughs> Next question. Is it true that the older whiskey, the older a whiskey is, the better it is? I would say, see my earlier response to the darker a whiskey is, the better it is. Uh, sometimes, but not all the time. Definitely not a rule. I can't even say it's a rule with exceptions. It's just not a rule. It's just a very loose trend. And uh, not trend like trend in on Twitter, but trend like there is a correlation, but it's not a great one. Don't rely on age to tell you if something's good or not. The next one says, no question this time. You did a great job answering the ones I've had. Thank you. I just want to say how much I appreciate that comment because uh, hearing that people are enjoying this, hearing that I'm answering your questions and you're liking the answers or you're, you're getting what you looked for, that is great. That's what I try to do. That's like my whole goal. If you haven't noticed, I'm trying to uh, give the people what they want, if you will. And I am so glad to hear that people are enjoying the content. Thank you for the positive feedback. That's I'll stop gushing. How many craft distilleries have I had the chance to try? Not very many. And I have been trying to focus more on it. Uh, luckily craft distilleries tend to be the ones that want to send me things for reviews. And I do put a lot of reviews online from those craft distilleries, but, uh, I haven't had the chance to visit very many. You might have seen I just went to McLaughlin Distillery. Uh, I'm hoping to continue doing stuff like that because usually the craft guys have something something impressive in their lineup, if not multiple things. The next question is, at this time in my bourbon adventure, do I think I'm favoring a specific proof point more? Yeah, I do. I would say right now, specifically 110 to 115 probably is about where I'm, eh, maybe 110 to 120 is about where I'm favoring right now. It fluctuates though. I'm sure in the summertime, it'll go down a bit. What is my favorite single barrel? I honestly don't know, but I'll say Four Roses single barrel because that's one of my favorite Four Roses is. Four Roses is? Four Roses is Four Roses single barrel. So uh, love that one. But I can't say it's my favorite single barrel ever. Would I like some Australian whiskeys to try? Sure. I would love to try some Australian whiskeys. I don't think I've ever had an Australian whiskey. What are my thoughts on pre-mixes for an old-fashioned? Absolutely no shame in it. And I've had good ones. Um, I've had good mixes that you just add whiskey to for an old-fashioned. And I've, I've had good bottles of old fashioned that are like quote unquote old fashioned. It's already put together and everything. And you just chill it and put it into a glass that those are great as well. No shame in it. I like making an old fashioned, but there's absolutely times I don't have time for it. So I, I enjoy those as well. The next question for the value, what do I think of larceny? What do I think of larceny? I love larceny. And that's why it was the winner of budget bourbon March madness in 2022. Yeah. 2022. And it also had a whole episode dedicated to it. Whose number I don't remember right now. Give me one moment while I look it up. Episode number 52 of the whiskey noobs podcast. I do a full review of larceny. So I think it's great. I think it's very smooth. If you want something more exciting and more spicy, you might not like it too much. 
but it's very good. The next question, have I tried Black Bush whiskey? Yes, I have. Um, I be- I'm assuming you're referring to Bushmills Black Bush, in which case, yes, I absolutely have. I really enjoy it for the price. It's not very expensive. I want to say it's in the low 30s, if not exactly $30. And I did a full review in episode number 46, uh, the oldest distillery featuring Bushmills Black Bush. The next question, how did I decide on Blue Note and how did I hear about them? So Blue Note is the brand for my barrel pick, and we decided on it. Actually, it was mostly, I don't want to say mostly, but it was the idea of Chris from Bourbon of the Week that I'm working with on it. And uh, he said, how do you feel about Blue Note? And I said, let's do it because how I heard about Blue Note is from you guys, from my listeners and my followers commenting, hey, you got to try Blue Note, you got to try Blue Note. And I never got the chance to. And I was like, well, I know everybody loves it, and or everybody that I've talked to loves it. And I'd love the chance to try it, and how cool would it be for my first barrel pick to be that? So that is how we landed on Blue Note. The next question, Apple or Android? I am team Android for my day-to-day, but I do have a very old iPhone that I use for recording my other videos so I don't clog up my day-to-day phone's memory. Uh, the old iPhone is not hooked up to anything other than Wi-Fi, if, if you're wondering. I don't like... I don't pay two phone bills for for this, but I hook up to Wi-Fi and take videos with it. I despise using it. Um, just a matter of personal preference, not saying one is better than the other. I just don't like the interface of iPhones, but I use it because uh, typically they mesh better with softwares like TikTok and Instagram. They fix all their bugs for iPhone before they fix it for Android. So that is why I use an iPhone for those things. But day-to-day, definitely Android. Next question, what does the intro process for barrel picking entail? So I'm going to keep this brief. It could be its, an, it could be its own episode for sure, an entire episode. Uh, but you need a retailer to agree to sell it on your behalf, and you need a distiller that will sell it to said retailer. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, when you're picking it, you're almost like a promoter because like legally I can't sell a barrel of whiskey. That's not what barrel picking is, uh, at least for me since I don't have a permit to sell whiskey. But a lot of times you have a you have a retailer who buys it and legally sells it to people, and you do the picking portion of it. You do the picking out of what barrel it is, um, and so that is how it is working for Blue Note, and that is probably how it's going to work for future barrel picks that I am working on, or at least working on uh, getting that process lined up. And the last but certainly not least question: This one's a fun one. What is my go-to dive bar drink? And as much as I love pulling out complex flavor notes and enjoying getting my nose down in a glass of whiskey, I'd be lying if I didn't say, if I'm hanging out with friends, not really thinking about what I'm drinking, I will easily drink a Jack and Coke or a Jack and Diet Coke. Uh, Jack and Diet Coke, Jack and Ginger Ale. Um, I mean, if it's a dive bar, I'm thinking it's got to be mostly mixed drinks. Uh, and maybe my favorite that I've had from a college bar was called a Kentucky Dirty, not Derby, but Dirty, uh, and it had amaretto in it and I think Pepsi. I want to say so it was like whiskey, amaretto, Pepsi. I think maybe ginger ale too. It was it was weird, but it was good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not uh, as snobbish as people like to think. I just like to enjoy whiskey. That is the last question. So 
Thank you so much to everybody who submitted a question. Once again, you can do that on Instagram every Wednesday through the story, through the sticker on my story. And you can jump to the front of the line by joining the Patreon. Lastly, let's round this out with this mystery whiskey review. This can help you with blind tastings and with associating certain notes with certain types of whiskey. So if you can't guess specifically what I'm tasting, I recommend you at least try to guess the type of whiskey, the category of whiskey. Is it a bourbon? Is it a finished bourbon? Notice what I did there. <laughs> um, it, just try to at least guess the category of it, something like that. And uh, I think it can be helpful. If it's not helpful, it's at least fun. Let me taste this one more time, and we will get out of here. All right. I am not ashamed to say I am in love with this whiskey. It's so good. Uh, so you get spiciness, I think, probably leads the charge for me, at least right now. And oakiness, it's got barrel characteristic to it. It's balanced by like a nice creaminess. This leans towards spicy, but it's balanced by a little bit of like a creaminess. It almost reminds me, and this might throw you off, I'm not trying to, but it almost reminds me a little bit of pipe tobacco. Uh, but it has a nuttiness to it, a boldness, uh, and a little bit of, like I said, some fruitiness mixed in with it. Very enjoyable drink. Uh, very, I don't want to say unique, but it is, it's got a uniqueness to it that I really enjoy. If you haven't guessed it yet, hopefully you got that it was a bourbon, because I think I was saying a lot of bourbon-type things. I am specifically drinking Noah's Mill from the Willet Distillery. I really like Noah's Mill. I think I got it for $70. This is a $70 bottle all day long, um, if not more. I like it a lot. I It's hard to find in Ohio. I don't even know if... I mean, you definitely can't find it on a shelf. I think you can get it if you go to an allocation day, but I, I don't think it happens very often. So hard to find for me. Delicious drink. Easy to find in other states if you have the chance to buy it. I personally think it's worth it, especially if you like those notes that I just said. So I could praise Noah's Mill all day long, and I could answer your guys' questions all day long, but unfortunately, that's all we've got for this month. So I will see you guys next month for more questions, but before then, like I said, keep an eye out for those episodes where we're really diving back into our roots and relearning a lot of stuff that will be a lot of fun, I think, to go over. Thank you guys all for listening. One last thing is just don't forget to rate the show, review the show, share the show with friends, whatever it is that you can do. I appreciate the heck out of all of that support, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will leave you guys with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.